Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. Prudential recently released their research study, Financial Experience and Behaviors Among Women, which reveals that there are significant challenges facing women and their financial decision-making. Joining us today to shed some light on the subject and how to educate yourself so you can sleep better at night is Joan Cleveland, Senior Vice President of Business Development of Individual Life Insurance at Prudential, as we discuss bridging the female investor confidence gap. Welcome, Joan. Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here this afternoon. Hey, I'm really looking forward to having you as a guest today, and there's a lot of changes that have been happening, especially with the downturn with the economy, roles being reversed between men and women, and I know Prudential recently did a study, the financial experience and behaviors among women. What did you find in their survey was the most compelling findings of the research that Prudential found? Well, you know, Prudential's been doing this study for 12 years now, and from this most recent finding, there were really four key elements that emerged. They are, like it or not, women have emerged as primary breadwinners. The confidence gap that women have has deepened. Actually, this time we introduced some ethnicity, age breakdown, as well as introduced men into the study, and we have some specific findings by ethnicity and age. And then also we found some interesting thing with women's relationships with advisors. Can we possibly break those down one at a time? We sure can. Let me give you a little bit of info about the primary breadwinners. The way we phrase it at Prudential is, like it or not, women have emerged as the primary breadwinners. But as you can tell from my voice, not necessarily by design. 53% of women now, they are the primary earner, and this is a substantial increase from our last survey two years ago. At that time, the percentage was just shy of 30%. And unfortunately, as you alluded in your earlier comments, the factors are much broader than women attaining higher paid positions. Unfortunately, it really appears to be more related to the current economy, divorce, or just women remaining single longer than in the past. What we found, too, is just as a result of the economic challenges, nearly a third of the female breadwinners earn more than their spouse do as a direct result of the spouse no longer having a job or perhaps maybe a reduced job. Let's move on to what you mentioned as number two, which is the confidence gap. Throughout all of our studies, Prudential has tracked the confidence gap. And what that is, is the actual gap between women's stated important goals and their confidence in actually achieving these goals. So surprisingly, what we have found is that although women are earning much more than in the past, and over one-third, 38% to be exact, feel very optimistic about the country's economic perspective over the coming years, they're absolutely less confident about achieving key financial goals, and in particular, of course, retirement security. So what we've seen is the gap has actually grown from 62 points in 2008 to 69 points in 2012. And it goes back that the absolute biggest contributor to this widening gap is women's drop in confidence and maintaining their lifestyle in retirement. Let me just clarify that a little bit. So the confidence gap is not necessarily their knowledge base on it. It's as they're getting more knowledgeable, their confidence that everything's going to be okay in retirement. They're more concerned about that. Is that what I'm hearing? 
they're more concerned that they actually can put aside and have the money at retirement that they need. So you're right. It goes exactly to the fact as they are becoming more knowledgeable about what they need, although I still think there's a great deal of education we can do with women, but as they become more knowledgeable about what will set them on the right path in retirement, they're even less confident that they're actually going to be able to achieve those goals. Is there a focus in any particular area? Was there an area of less confidence, for example, or is it just generally the entire economic circumstance? There's a few areas that are very specific that there's, I would say, a broader gap if you think about that. So, for an example, one of the things that we found was that the key one is that they want to maintain the standard of living. If their spouse dies or if they become disabled, 81% of women say they're very highly important to them, but only 56% of them have any confidence that they could achieve that. Another area is that women definitely do not want to be a financial burden on their family. And again, to give you an example of the difference there, you know, 90% of women say that's very important to them. They don't want to be a financial burden on their family, but just 62% of them say that they have confidence that they could actually achieve that. I got to just interject some of my personal experience, and there's no scientific background to this, but I find when I'm talking to couples, the protection things like the life insurance that you talked about, disability income insurance, that seems to resonate with women. They seem more apt to want to talk about that and make sure their family's secure, where it seems like guys are like, that's never going to happen to me. They don't come to grips with that, and they're usually a lot less motivated to protecting their families that way, not that they want to abandon their families or anything like that. It's just that they don't come to grips with the realities of premature death or disability. Have you found anything with your studies that makes that seem to be true, or is that just maybe some misunderstandings on my part? No, you're getting to a point that's exactly true. If we look at the differences between men and women, the top three financial worries that a woman has are household expenses, household debt, and saving for retirement. And if you talk to a man, what we found in our studies, their top financial worry is just the overall economy and then household expenses and then savings for retirement. So debt doesn't even come into their picture. They just bypass that one altogether. And so what we think, too, is is you look at that from a standpoint, a man is much more concerned about the general economy and how that's going to impact him and his family, where a woman really focuses on what's impacting her household and what's impacting her family. So I think from an advisor standpoint, you're spot on when you talk to them. Really replacing lost income and reducing debt is very important to a woman. And then the long-term needs, the financial security at retirement comes into play, where a man is more, I think, from our studies show that they really want to focus on that retirement savings and making sure their retirement security is first and foremost in their mind. So it gives you a sense of how an advisor should focus on specific products exactly as you pointed out. Well, we had touched on the third component of your study, which was the difference between men and women. What about the ethnicity? What did you find in your study there? What we did this year, and it was the very first time in our study that we pulled distinct multicultural segments. So we focused on African-Americans, Hispanic, and Asian women. And even though with the general sample size, they were a smaller portion of the sample size, we weighted all of our data according to the U.S. Census data. So what similarities did we find? What differences do we find? For one, a similarity exists in the percentage of women that had children. So approximately 60% of all women had children with Hispanics slightly higher at 65%. But, you know, in general, that's where all the similarities ended. 
We found that women's financial priorities did vary considerably by ethnicity. And to my earlier point, while all women stated that important goals were to avoid becoming a financial burden to their loved ones, as well as having enough money to maintain their lifestyles in retirement, we found specifically that Asian Americans, African Americans, and Hispanic women, they really placed a greater emphasis on maintaining a specific standard of living for their families if they became disabled or died. And I think that's really attributable to the fact that these women have full-time jobs, ranging from 42 to 55 percent of this population in general, while just 33 percent of white women have full-time jobs. If you think about it, in other words, replacing current income takes precedence over ensuring savings continue to accumulate. Another area that we looked at was when it came to owning financial products, Asian women were really more than twice as likely as the other groups to have an IRA, own a mutual fund, an annuity, stocks and bonds. And so surprisingly, if you looked at it from an advisor standpoint, protecting these investments from volatility is especially important to Asian American women compared to the other groups. 85% of Asian American women said this was really important to them, this minimizing the volatility. Well, in the other groups, it ranged from 74 to 78%. So we go back to the fact that the largest confidence gap, as I mentioned earlier, came to having enough money to maintain their lifestyle retirement. But in general, we found that a woman's financial health was really not always in sync with their financial mindset. Very interesting perspective. I have to believe going forward, you'll probably continue to look at the breakdown between the different ethnicities, I would imagine. Yes, we definitely are. At Prudential in general, in our individual life area, we're putting a great deal of emphasis on understanding multicultural segments. With our African-American survey that we did recently, as well as our continued focus on the women's market, is making sure that we know what's important to these communities, what's relevant to them, and that both our products and our advisors have the ability to speak to them. Joan, let's take a short break, and when we come back, let's talk about that fourth component of your study, which is the relationship women have with advisors, so please stay tuned. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer security and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, P.O. Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. Don't forget to visit the Resources for You section on your Real Wealth Professionals website. You'll find links to many educational tools and resources. You'll also find a must-read section including many great authors who have been guests on past programs. Feel free to order any books that interest you or someone you know. Welcome back as we continue a very informative conversation today with Joan Cleveland, who's the Senior Vice President of Business Development of Individual Life Insurance at Prudential. We've been talking about bridging the female investor confidence gap, and we've been referring to a study that you've done annually now for 12 years, the 2012-2013 study 
called Financial Experience and Behaviors Among Women. And the fourth component of your study that we hadn't gotten to yet was relationships with women and their advisors. Can you touch on that? Yes. Just to make sure you're aware, too, we do this study every two years. So although we've been doing it for 12 years, every two years we hold the study. So you mentioned the woman's relationship with advisors. And the real key to closing the confidence gap is for a woman to work with the advisors, to gain that advice and the education that comes from working with them. So just over one-third of women, about 35%, who made an average of 51000 work with an advisor as compared to men who were making an average of 57000 But what we saw is that 35% of the women working with an advisor, they really felt that they were ahead or on track in meeting their financial goals with the 18% who did not work with an advisor at all. So similarly, women that worked with an advisor were really more willing to take on increased risk for the potential of increased reward. Almost two-thirds of the women working with an advisor versus 41% of those who do not are more risk tolerant. And we spoke earlier how that was a real important factor that women seem to concentrate more on mitigating the volatility in their investments. But it shows that those women that worked with an advisor were more receptive and really understood the risk-reward spectrum. Another thing that we found that about 64% of women working with an advisor were married or in a domestic partnership. And I really want to mention this to you because that's almost a quarter of a woman say that they would discontinue that relationship if the partner passed away. So these are the same women that state that they're generally satisfied with the amount of time their advisor spends with them. So I think it suggests that these relationships could really be much stronger than they appear to be on the surface, and they could have the potential to be much deeper. So one of the other things that we found, why do women not work with an advisor? Well, it's the perceived expense. 53% of women, compared to 44% of men, say that it's just too expensive to work with an advisor. You know what? They don't know. It's that perceived expense because, as we all know, advisors get paid in a myriad of ways, some which may have an impact on their client directly, others which don't. So I think it really goes to show it's just that education. And what you'll also find and what our past studies, too, have shown us is that women rely so much on referrals from friends and family. So I think that an advisor has a tremendous opportunity in front of them if they get into the women's market do a good job, as we know that they always do, but then that friends and family referral system is just much stronger among women than it is among men. Well, you know, Joan, one of the things that I've found, too, and I think this is such a good show because it really sheds light on the importance of being educated on these various topics, especially when it comes to your financial well-being. One thing I started doing early in my career is making sure that both spouses are involved in all these planning meetings. And I don't see it as much today as I did when I first started 25 plus years ago. But in the old days, it seemed to be the role of the man to take care of the financial household where that's starting to change quite a bit. But you saw a lot of times where the husband just said, I'd take care of it. And the wife says, yeah, that's fine. Take care of it. But man, did that put him in a vulnerable position when the husband passed away if they had no dealings whatsoever with an advisor, much less no dealings with how these decisions were made. Boy, it really put him behind the eight ball. You're exactly right. Because in our study two years ago, we found that 99% of women were influencing or involved with specifically in the financial decision-making in the household. In our recent study, we showed that the answer to the question best describes your role in the financial decision-making, 52% of 
white women said that they share equally in the financial decision-making. Total women, 50%. Total males, 33%. But then we looked at who said they were the primary decision-maker on financial matters. And to your point, 61% of men said they were. 41% of females said that they were. But again, as we mentioned earlier, because we brought in multicultural segments into this study, 56% of the African-American women said they were the primary decision maker. 42% of the Hispanic women, the primary decision maker. So it goes back to some of the comments before, just supporting that not only can an advisor target their conversations and their communications and working with women, but they can alter it slightly going into various segments. I thought it was interesting that this time 6% of males said they're generally not involved in the decision-making whatsoever. So, again, we're starting to see that move a little bit, just like you spoke about before. Did your study by chance uncover how women are comfortable finding an advisor? Is it the best, most successful method referral, or what are they comfortable with? Because they clearly have evidenced from your study that they're more successful if they have a relationship, but how do they find that person? Comfortable with friends and family, making the referrals to them. They also say sometimes the friends and family are the ones that give them the financial information. And we all know that that could be probably not the best information for an individual to get, for a woman to get. But again, too, to give you a sense of that, and this year we broke it down into age brackets, and 25 to 34-year-old women say they rely on friends and family for financial sources, 67%. 67% that same grouping also say they rely on the internet. So it's interesting. The younger they are, friends and family share equally with the information with the internet. The older a woman relies a little bit more on friends and family over the internet, but that certainly is number two these days. And then advisors come in at number three. So again, I think it's really important for the advisors to work with the women to educate them first and allow them to make the right financial decision. I think when we look again, women's confidence in making the right financial decisions, 22% say, yeah, I'm I'm well prepared, I can do it. But almost two-thirds, 63% say, yeah, I really need some help or I need to catch up in many areas. 15% say, wow, I'm an absolute beginner, so I need a ton of help. And I think if we compared that to men this year, we saw 7% say they're beginners, and then 37% say they're very well prepared. So it really just goes down to showing there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to educate women, make them feel comfortable in the decisions, and then they will take action and move forward. We hear so much about, of course, the baby boomer. Can you address that particular age segment? As those folks, how do they feel about their preparedness or this gap of confidence? Well, if we look down in general, as I look at some different data, in the boomer age, we've got 52% again saying they rely on friends and family, but 47% go to the internet for advice. A little bit more working on general with an advisor at that age, at the older age, which again could be an indication that they move to that advisor from their spouse or significant other. On this time, I don't have in front of me any very specifics to give you on the boomer market, but we can get back to you, gentlemen. Sounds good. Can you tell us then where uh, can the listeners find the study? Because you've just covered an amazing amount of data. I think people would find it very interesting. Where can they find it? They can go to prudential.com slash women, and that is pages that we have purely directed towards educating women. The study is there, and I think you will also be able to find our study right on our homepage, prudential.com. There'll be a link to the study there as well. 
John, we really appreciate you joining us today. It's interesting, your topic being women and getting confident and getting educated about the process. But one thing I look at is I think that's general of the population. I think everybody really needs to understand where they're at and where they're going, having a plan on how to get there. And if you're a couple, you should be working together with your financial advisor. It just seems like so many people are so busy today that they spend more time planning for their vacation than they do for their entire future and they're present, making sure they're protected with things like life insurance. Earlier you talked about women worried about what the fees are and some of the misconceptions there. We've had the president of the Life Foundation on recently, and they had just done a study where people are thinking the cost of insurance is anywhere from three to seven times what it actually is, depending on what demographics you're looking at. And who better to go to than the professional that's providing you this program and find out what you should all be doing, but you need to invest some time to make sure your future is secure. Yep, that's absolutely true. I couldn't agree more. They need to take the time to invest in their future, and they also need to understand that an advisor is there to educate them and guide them making the right choices for their own particular situation. Well, we've certainly said it on this program many times, simply don't go it alone. Thanks again for joining us today, and we look forward to touching base with you again in the next coming couple of years when you revisit this study again, because I would imagine after, of course, things changing in the economy, we're in an election year, many things can change, so can everyone's outlook two years from now. So we'll certainly talk to you then. Thank you, Jim and Tony. I certainly appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your Real Wealth Advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer security and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, P.O. Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. To this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes, which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and have a wonderful week.